Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility, and Naturewood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. Hello, Sports 1140 listeners. This is uh, Frank LaRosa. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour here, uh, and I'm along with uh, Scott Marsh, who's sitting next to me. We are going to uh, give you about an hour's worth of golf information especially uh, surrounding Northern California and hopefully some things you're, you're going to learn. Scott, uh, you and I had a chance to play in a first tee tournament at Wigan Park. I was really impressed with the, uh, with the conditioning over there and the brand new tee box on five. Wigan Park is another treasure that the Morton group operates. And again, what, uh, you know, the Morton family does in terms of keeping our city courses in such great shape. It's absolutely remarkable. And that was a great time on Friday. It was a great time. Uh, congratulations to Kurt David, the GM over there. Uh, on today's show, Ryan Sasser, he's the NorCal rep for TaylorMade Golf. You know, the hot list panel, when they got together last year, they were really uh, intrigued with this brand new technology, which is uh, available in the Stealth Driver by, uh, by uh, TaylorMade. And uh, Ryan is here to talk about that and some other new offerings for TaylorMade this year. Uh, following that, uh, Charlie Meacham. Uh, corporate attorney, uh, co- former commissioner of the LPGA, and a friend and advisor to uh, to a couple of really cool guys, Arnold Palmer and uh, Jack Nicholas. And uh, Charlie wrote a book, uh, Arnie and Jack, stories of my long friendship with two remarkable friends. Easy to read, lots of photos. And uh, Charlie is my, um, uh, this week's version of the uh, people who play the game. And uh, we, we, we take a piece of that interview and we will uh, air it for you here on the radio show. And uh, the full interview is available on my YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube, search uh, Golf to Go with Frank LaRosa. Please subscribe and you'll find out when uh, interviews like Dottie Pepper, David Faraday, Gary Gerald, Peter Jacobson, even Taro. You know, there's, there's lots of folks uh, talking about their love of the game. Uh, and then we will finish up with Brant Wilson, PGA head golf professional at Seascape Golf Club. That's uh, down in Aptos. It's a beautiful spot on the coast, and he's going to give us reasons to go down there and uh, play his course. So uh, once again, we've got another full hour, Scott, and uh, we ready to talk about some golf? I'm ready. Let's get it going. All right. We will be right back with Ryan Sasser from TaylorMade Golf. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa. Golf to Go Radio Hour continues here. Uh, Scott Marsh and Frank LaRosa, along with our next guest, Mr. Ryan Sasser. I've known Ryan a while. Uh, He's been in the golf business uh, a a good amount of years, and uh, he is a man that knows of what he speaks. Ryan is the the Northern California rep for TaylorMade Golf. And uh, Ryan, uh, welcome so much to the show. Thank you, Frank. You know, um, I remember um, being on the air uh, on the show last year, and we had Ken Morton Jr. on, and Kenny is a um, is a member of the uh, Golf Digest Hot List, and they had just come back from uh, grading all the new clubs and and you know um, trying to decide what was gold and so on and so forth. And the one thing I said, Kenny, what's new? You know, what are we really going to get excited about? He said, I can't tell you what it is yet, but just get ready for a brand new way of making drivers and it's going to blow your mind. And obviously what that turned out to be was stealth by TaylorMade and uh, stealth has really, really opened up people's eyes as to how, uh, how drivers are put together. So um, rather than me kind of um, 
uh, bounce around and, and make up things that I don't know what I'm talking about. Ryan, why don't you tell us what, what, what stealth is all about? Sure, Frank. You know, stealth was uh, 20 years in the making, really. And, you know, we started with the titanium era after the, really the persimmon winter. And, and, um, and so we've been working on this for 20 years. And what we came up with was a 60 layer carbon face driver. So the entire driver is carbon face. So it, so what that really means is that um, carbon is 44% lighter than titanium. And so titanium could go as far as it can go. And so our, our brilliant engineers back at the home office in Carlsbad um, have been working to fine tune how can we make something lighter, faster, and more forgiving. And they did that with the Stealth family. Um, and again, I can't stress enough what 60 layers of carbon does to the face um, by making a carbon face driver, it actually is lighter than titanium. So we're allowing it, we're allowing the face to be 22% larger, um, which actually increased uh, forgiveness as well as ball speed. And as you've all seen on the shelves, it looks really, really dynamic. Yeah. And um, uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Woods playing that. Is, is, am, am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a funny story. Um, so we were we went to the sales meeting in November and saw it. And of course, it was uh, really on the down low and, and top secret. And Tiger came to us um, right before the PNC Father Challenge. And he was testing along with other tour players and just fell in love with it um, for a lot of different reasons, which I'll expand upon. But uh, he wanted to play it and it wasn't even launching yet. And how many, how are you going to say no to Tiger Woods? Right. So um, <laughs> he kind of, uh, he kind of did our pre-launch sneak party, if we will. And, uh, and the rest is, as I say, history. You know, one of the uh, knocks about uh, carbon uh, in the driver was the, was the sound. And um, you know, it had a kind of a dull hollow sound. Obviously you've, you've, uh, you know, taking care of that issue. But beyond that, even when you think about 60 layers of anything, you would think that it's big and bulky and so on and so forth. But, but you know, kind of explain what, what that all means and how you've come up with a driver that's not only, you know, performs well, but it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and that, and that was kind of the, the decades of, of testing is because now when you say 60 layers, it's about as thin as a, as a hairline. Um, but we had to have the durability because the speed is going to be there. And so there's also like a nano texture on the face, which helps with launch and spin. Because in the past, there has been a version of a of a um, carbon driver. But one, it was like seven layers versus 60. And it didn't hold up during the testing. It just because it was so fast, um, it would just kind of fall out of the sky. And so with that 60 layers, you have durability. And with the nano texture on the face, if you've ever felt the face, it feels kind of rough which helps with launch and spin and during wet and cold conditions. Um, so it's just a lot of engineering to go, how do we get the right combination of durability and speed? And that actually, that texture on the face allows the ball to launch with the perfect amount of spin. So it's, uh, and again, it's, it's taken 20 years with the smartest people in the world to figure it out. That's the fascinating part to me. I mean, you, 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 we think that every time something new comes out, you know, that's the end all. And, uh, you know, they've, they've done everything they can. But, you know, to know in the background, you know, it's taken 20 years for them to come up with this technology while everything else was going on, while you were still producing, you know, really incredible golf equipment. Um, that's remarkable. Those, those designers and engineers are, 
a pretty pretty interesting lot. I you know I've obviously I'm new to TaylorMade, not new to the industry. It's my 12th year in the business, and I've always known TaylorMade's had incredible uh, woods and fairy woods, even when I was with Adams Golf. Um, but this one blew me away, and and to be the first to start a new era of carbon wood. I mean, we'll never, and this is quoting our senior design engineer, we'll never make a titanium driver again. So that's not only eye-opening and jaw-dropping, and, and it's, it's, um, it's always exciting to what could happen next. So talk about this technology that's taken through the, um, the fairways and hybrids as well, right? Yeah, so we didn't do the carbon on the, on the fairways and hybrids just because the mass, it, the, 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 the face is not big enough for the technology we utilize, but we did do a, a 3D crown cover on the rescues and the, and the fairways. We also increased the face to 175 cc, so it's actually, if you can believe it, 10% larger than the Sim 2 family. Um, so it's actually larger and more forgiving, and that 3D crown is lighter than the, the traditional crown. So we put some weight behind the face, which actually allows it to launch easier and more forgiving, which if you can hardly believe. <laughs> you know, you talk about um, you know, launch angles and spin and, um, you know, and speed and, and um, you know, as a player, we, we, we sort of understand those things and we certainly want, you know, the best of everything. But, you know, you kind of have to leave that stuff into the hands of the engineer, pick up the driver, it looks good and hit it. And, and that's the only way to you know, to kind of put it in your bag is to give it a shot and, and find out what it really does. I, I've talked to a lot of tour, uh, excuse me, club professionals that, that are switching allegiances because of, because of this driver. Yeah, you know, um, I don't want to get the percentages wrong, but at Torrey Pine, which is the third event of the year, I believe, um, we had like 92% of non-contracted drivers in play that day, non-contracted drivers. So our tour van was the line was looked like the Hagen Expo at one point going out the line. So it has gotten people's attention. Um, there's some tour players that have been testing it lately. I've been told. Um, and again, you know, golf is a game not for us average people, but for, you know, it's a game of misses, right? So you're trying to you're trying to get your misses in a smaller area because the good ones are going to be good on anything you, you hit. So we're trying to minimize and, and capture the misses, and that's really what this driver has done. I mean, I. I played a different driver, obviously, last year, uh, and it was a good product. But, you know, diff different swing speeds and different ball speeds produce different angle or different trajectories. But I can tell you, I'm a, I'm a fairly decent golfer, but uh, I gained like 20 yards from switching to this driver. And it's just – and I, I, I don't even really know how. I don't swing any different. I don't, I don't swing any harder. But, I mean, when you hit it in the center of the space with that technology and that forgiveness, it just takes off. Scott, you could use uh, 20 extra yards, huh? I could use 50 extra yards, 75 extra yards. Um, when you talk about uh, not being a bad golfer, give us your index. I'm curious, Ryan. As long as my boss isn't listening, which he might <laughs> later. Uh, no, I get to play usually about once a week on Sunday morning with a group of guys, but uh, currently I'm a 0.2. Okay, that's what I figured. You're an excellent golfer, so... Um, obviously, this technology is great uh, for everybody. It's certainly working out for you. I, I'm curious, um, what is the difference between the Stealth and the My Stealth driver? Is there a significant difference there? Well, that's a great question. So we have three different models. Um, the My Stealth driver is actually a customizable driver that you can do online. You can change the colors. You can change the face. So that's a customized driver. But I think you're referring to the Stealth driver, yep. um, which is a little bit more forgiving. 
Um, it doesn't, it's a little bit higher launching drivers. So for someone that's probably in the nine to 18 range of a handicap, it needs a little bit more spin, a little bit more forgiveness. Yep. Um, and again, it doesn't have the slot adjustment in the back, like sure. the tour players, the better players like, but it's just a little bit lighter, a little bit more forgiving driver with a little bit more spin to it. Okay. Does it have anything to do with your, your swing speed also as to how, how you might choose one from the other? It should. Yeah. It's going to, okay. I mean, you can also have someone that, um, you know, swings a little bit less than somebody else, but he doesn't, he spins it really, really high. Um, the stealth plus really can fit in anyone's hands. And we've been pleasantly surprised how many people we thought would go into a stealth that went into a stealth plus um, just because of that launch angle. So in theory, yes, the stealth drivers for someone that swings a little bit less needs a little bit more speed and uh, needs to get the ball up in the air a little easier. Got it. I was trying to figure out why you even did a launch if your pre-launch was with Tiger. I mean, did you really have to, 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 to do a launch afterwards? Well, as you probably saw on GolfWorks <laughs> in my spy, it was, uh, and again, we do the best we can, but it, it always leaks and it's yeah. kind of the fun of all of it. But because um, all those internet geeks like to see what's coming out and, and we did a really good job of kind of keeping on the wraps. In fact, when I got my samples in uh, late November, um, I couldn't even show my, of course I show, I showed my top accounts, but there's very few people I actually showed the driver to. And they were just itching at the bit, like show it to me, show it to me. I want to have yeah. heard something about it. <laughs> we're awesome. talking with, we're talking with Ryan Sasser. He's the uh, tailor-made uh, rep uh, for Northern California. Uh, that uh, uh, stealth is in, in your irons uh, sets as well. Yeah, we came out with the Stealth Iron this year, which is our game improvement iron of 2022, and some just incredible technology in this club. We've um, facilitated our, our cat-back design of toe-wrap construction. So what that means is most higher handicapped golfers tend to miss a little bit on the toe and higher on the face. So we took some weight out of the toe and wrapped it around the back of the head. So we lowered the CG and made it incredibly forgiving and very, very easy to launch. And the really cool thing about this iron is that if you put it down on the, on the grass or the mat, it looks like a player iron. So that person that needs that forgiveness or that higher handicap is going to feel really good about it because it doesn't look like the old quote unquote shovel in the olden days. Yeah. Um, and it just, it performs incredibly well and has done, it's blown our expectations how well it's done on the shelf so far. For many years, uh, you know, there was there was one ball that that people kind of went to, and um, a couple of years back, uh, TaylorMade came out with the with the TP5 and the TP5X, and and uh, a lot of tour players uh, have embraced that ball, and um, uh, you've you've really sort of made a mark in 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 the ball market as well. But this year as well, you came out with a uh, with a new ball. It's got a it's got a kind of a stripe on it um and it's called tour response and uh what what's been the response to tour response phenomenal um you know there's a little green stripe we call it visual technology around the golf ball and it's a, it's a it's a lower compression urethane golf ball it has been actually used on on some mini tours in the lpga um but it's it's got some great visual technology similar to the picks ball that we came out with ricky a couple of years ago but this green stripe over the ball lines you up perfectly in line to the, to the, to the aim that you're aiming at. And um, I can't give you specific data tech numbers, but I can tell you that uh, in terms of the softer, softer compression, urethane golf ball, it was off the charts in the launch date in March. So well that we have um, some, some supply issues that we're dealing with, but it has done incredibly well. 
It also comes in a yellow uh, and a white, and then the, the stripe over the middle of it, which is done great. You know, it's it's um, we're sitting here talking about today's technology, and um, and we go back to the fact that it took twenty years to come out with stealth. You have any idea, you know, where where the uh, equipment market continues to move? I mean, you know, what might be what might be on where we are? Uh, you know, what we what we've got is so incredible and so easy to hit. And as you say, it's a game of misses. You, you really wonder, you know, how much easier can it be unless we have bionic arms to go along with these clubs? Well, you know, I, again, I'm not an equipment geek per se, and I, I've sitting here since uh, since February of the launch, I'm just thinking how. how how can we get better in it? And I know that we will, and we continue to do that. But it, it is just thinking back. I was at a, I was at an account today in Folsom, and I saw the old King Cobra titanium driver, and I looked at that thing and go, that was the hottest thing back then. And it's just yeah. how we've evolved from there has been crazy. You know, um, you you've got an incredible line of putters as well, and many of the tour players uh, are using them. Give us a, a a brief overview of of what you got there. Yeah, we came out with a new Spider GT model, uh, which lowered some CG in the head, and it's been tested right now by Dustin Johnson and, and Rory. Um, they're still currently using their Spider X, which we still have the Hydroblast in the in the uh, in the lineup. But we just added some some uh, some fangs to the side of it for for CG and weighting, lowered the lowered the CG loop on the putter to get that true end over end roll. Um, but our putter market share has continued to climb year over year, and we're super excited about it. You know, I think the only question Scott and I would have really other than what you've covered, because you've covered it uh, so well, is, uh, is there any chance of us being a point eight? <laughs> um, you know, he point two, Frank, point two. Oh, well, you know, I didn't want to be as good as him. I just want to be in the same neighborhood. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It's all chipping and putting, guys. It's all chipping and putting. <laughs> and, make sure, and make sure you're using that right TP5 ball. <laughs> there you heard it from uh, ryan sasser he is the northern california rep for TaylorMade golf uh stealth uh you, the line you really have to go see that uh that uh, driver and and try it i mean um, if that's what tiger woods is playing you know there's some technology in there that uh, that uh, not only uh makes you um kind of hit the ball straighter and higher but uh, it's got to help your game and we all want that as well Let's don't forget about Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters. You know, uh, and and about four other tournaments as well. You know, you you guys, TaylorMade's in in good shape as we move forward. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us here on golf to go It's a pleasure. I look forward to catching up with you soon. And uh, as long as uh, the only time I'm going to play golf with you is uh, if we're on a scramble team. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Frank. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Back with more in a minute. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa. Hello and welcome to People Who Play the Game. I'm really excited to have uh, Charlie Meacham with me today. Charlie's uh, legal and business career spans six decades. Charlie, you were an attorney. You were a former commissioner of the LPGA and a consultant and advisor to both Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus. And you just released a book Uh, called Arnie and Jack, Stories of My Long Friendship with Two Remarkable Men. Charlie Meacham, welcome to People Who Play the Game. I'm delighted to be with you, Frank. You know, um, 
the the folks that have uh, read your book and and written about it is you know is is as impressive as as what you've done but i just want to kind of go through a, a couple of these tom watson said there can never be enough stories about these two great legends from the game of golf charlie has captured and told us some of the best annika sorenstam charlie is the best storyteller ever david <laughs> Faraday, charlie meacham like the two subjects of this book is an american treasure and Jack Nicholas himself said there isn't a person who knows more about Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas than Charlie Meacham. And Jaime Diaz from the Golf Channel, who uh, here in Sacramento, we have a, a soft spot for because he started his career at the Sacramento Bee. He yeah. said, uh, you have many gifts, the greatest among them being your genius for true friendship. That, that, that's pretty, um, that's pretty uh, remarkable stuff that people are writing about you and your book. Well, I I appreciated all of those thoughts, and uh, all of the people you mentioned were wonderfully friendly uh, to me. And it, as a matter of fact, I sent uh, Tom a copy of my book, a final copy. He'd seen the rough draft, and he sent me the nicest note back. And I want to just read one paragraph. I know I will enjoy reading your reflections and laughing at your humor that I know will be peppered throughout your work. And uh, I thought, how, you know, here, here, Tom Watts, he didn't know. He already <laughs> wrote a nice thing in the book. He doesn't have to write me a note, but he did. And those, those, Frank, those are the people that built golf. Not, not the only people. I mean, have a go, you go back to people before that, most notably Bob Jones, but people like Watson, and Nicholas and Palmer, um, that's, and I hope, I hope the game doesn't go off in other directions, but that's, that's a whole nother story. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, it kind of gives me chills when, when you, when you mention the names and they knew their place, you know, yeah. they knew, they knew what the game meant. They knew what the game meant, not only to them, but, but, you know, but to the world. And, and they knew that someone had paved the way and, and it was their responsibility to continue that. This is not in the book. Um, I don't know whether I chose to not put it in or just didn't think of it till later, but Arnold really didn't like to be called King. Um, Cause he said to me more than once, Charlie, there's no king of golf. And that was, and you knew exactly what he meant. Mm -hmm. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Um, so anyway, I, I've always smiled about that because that said an awful lot about Arnold Palmer. Yeah, we, we kind of talked a little bit about uh, how they were when you met them. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things I, I saw in the book was that uh, Jack even recommended you for the for the commissioner of the LPGA. <laughs> Without my knowledge, I went <laughs> when I was offered the job. I remember thinking, uh, you know, I, I know a lot about golf, but I, I don't know everything. And I, I ought to talk to somebody that can tell me if I'm really making a mistake to take this job. So I went in to see Jack at his office and I said, Jack, I've been offered the job of commissioner of the LPGA. And I wonder, uh, do you think I should take it? And he said, you damn well better. I recommended you. <laughs> totally blown away by that. <laughs> you know, you, you talked about um, how important it was to, 
to not forget, you know, where you came from. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, yeah. you write about it in the book. They, they uh, carry that same, uh, yes. that same focus on life as well. Talk a little bit about that, Charlie. Um, Arnold always regarded Latrobe as his home. Um, and I remember one day I was with him there and he said, I want to get in the golf cart. We drove all around Latrobe and he pointed out the things that he had helped get going. He was so proud of that. And I thought of all the things that he has done. Um, Latrobe is still that special. And Jack, uh, although he uh, doesn't live in Columbus, God knows he spends a lot of time there. And his monument, uh, the Muirfield Village Golf Club, as well as uh, he has a home there. Uh, and so uh, I think, and I'm prejudiced, of course, because I'm a, I'm a Midwestern guy. I think there's certain Midwestern values that are solid, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe almost corny sometimes, but they're real. And I think those two guys really had them in spades. You know, we we uh, we talk about them as icons and and how important they were to the world. Their wives were very important to them, you know, keeping them on track and 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 being, you know, as gracious as they can be in the midst of all of this, you know, chaos going on all the time. It was unbelievable. Uh, and I say in the book, and I don't know that this has ever been said before in quite the way I've said it, but the point is that. Um, I think if there hadn't been a Winnie Palmer or a Barbara Nicholas in those early days when uh, people were beating up so much on, on Jack and so much ugly stuff was going on, um, if those two guys had... Whoops, oh, that's my fax machine. Sorry. That's uh, all right. If those guys had tended to go south... And I think Winnie and Barb would have uh, pulled them aside and say, grow up, you guys. Um, and I really think, and maybe that did happen. I don't know that it did, it did or didn't. But if it had happened, I'm sure they would have stepped in. And they supported their husbands to a degree, not, not, not in a, in, in a uh, subsidiary way or a uh, condescending way, but they, they loved them and cared for them and supported them totally. It would not have, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer would not have been the same men without uh, Winnie and Barra. Think about, um, you know, from the time you met them, um, you know, until um, certainly Arnold's unfortunate passing and, and Jack today, how, how have they changed along the way? And, and um, in what way are they better people? Uh, you mean Jack and Arnie? Yes. I, I don't, I honestly don't think they changed much at all. Wow. They started out and ended up the people that, that they started out and were. I really believe that. Uh, they became more sophisticated maybe, but Arnie's charisma, I think, shone just as bright uh, when he first came to the tours later. And Jack's overwhelming talent uh, was just blinding. And uh, you don't need to get into a uh, an argument about who is the greatest player of all time. It's useless to do that. But his his talent was so incredible 
And that never changed, including when he was, what, 46 in the Masters. <laughs> you have some um, some great chapter titles in the book, um, you know, and just kind of uh, stirs thoughts about, you know, a reader getting to the book. Jack's stunning advice to me, a typical day at Bay Hill, um, mm-hmm. Jack's first visit to Arnie's restaurant, uh, <laughs> Jack and Barbara's 80th birthday celebration. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And one of the stories that, that I got a kick out of was uh, what's an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. And I, I wasn't sure I knew because I'd heard it. I'd heard a dozen stories, but Russ Meyer, who was one of Arnold's dearest, closest friends said uh, that he really thought he had the, the true story. Arnie had been playing uh, in a tournament, I guess a very hot day. And he went into clubhouse restaurant and, uh, the waitress came over and said, uh, Mr. Palmer, what would you have? And he said, you know, uh, can you mix a, a iced tea and a lemonade? And she said, sure, I can do that. So she then goes to the next table to ask the lady there, what would she like? And uh, the lady said, uh, isn't that Arnold Palmer? And she said, yes. And she said, I, I think I'll have what he had. I'll, I'll have an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> And that's the way it happened. <laughs> that uh, promo that uh, that uh, ESPN does of Arnold mixing the Arnold Palmer is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> that's been a huge, and still is, huge success. By the way, one of the stories that, that I like uh, is called Oops. It's near the end of the book. And the Oops stands for, I put my foot in my mouth, but I got it out successfully. Arnold and Winnie, I'm sorry, Arnold and Kit, his second wife after Winnie passed away, Arnold and Kit and my wife Marilyn and I went uh, to Palmer's uh, restaurant, which is about five minutes from where we live here in La Quinta, uh, for dinner one night. So we, we started talking about growing older, becoming mature, and I said to Arnie, and I, be- I believe this strongly. I said, Arnie, you know, uh, my feeling is you don't really, you don't really reach maturity until you meet someone who is better at what you do best. (laughs) And I thought, Oh God, why did I say that? But Arnold typically said that was Jack, just like that. That was Jack. (laughs) He saw Jack. He said, then then I matured. (laughs) But think about that. Uh, I think we've all had that in our life. Um, When you really grow up is when you can look at somebody and say, you know, they're better at what I do than I am. (laughs) That, that, that is, you know, self-awareness at that point. That's, that's a great story. Um, what, what, you know, I, I don't know if that's your favorite story about about Arnold, but it's but it's you know certainly a uh, um, a great story. But what what, what would be your um, what would be your favorite story about Jack? Um, the first business deal I made with Jack after we had made the golf course deal was at a tournament. He was playing in Jacksonville, and. Um, we had very pleasant dinner and uh, concluded the deal that we were working on. I don't remember now what it was, but it was important. 
and uh, very pleasant. So the next day, I go to the golf course and I position myself between a green and the next tee, and I knew Jack would be walking right by. So he did, and I looked at him, and I didn't wave, but I sort of, and he walked right by me, didn't blink an eye, didn't, uh, oh my God, what have, what have I done? And a little later, I ran into one of his pals, and I said, is Jack upset with me for some reason? And he said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, he just walked by me and didn't blink an eye. And he said, Charlie, he never even saw you. Because when he's playing golf, there's only one thing. He goes to the next tee and hits the next shot. And I remember thinking, other than maybe Tiger, uh, there's no one ever had a greater concentration level than Jack Nichols. How remarkable that um, that you got to spend you know so much of of your life and their lives together and um, with a trust that um, you know goes beyond just a relationship and uh, um, you know as as um, as a long time confidant and friend what how will you remember um, each of them? Arnie was precisely the same person in public and private. Uh, and don't let anyone ever tell you differently. He absolutely the same. Um, Jack was different. His, uh, as I said, competitively, when he got on the golf course, that was all there was. But then I remember we played golf together down at the Bears Club Um I was always mortified when he asked me to play because I hated to stand over the ball saying the greatest player ever played the game is watching me <laughs> make an idiot of myself. But uh, after the uh, round, we went back to his house and uh, he, it was a football game on, I think. And uh, he turned on the TV and he, uh, he pulled out a lazy or pulled over a lazy boy chair, pushed it back. And Frank within Within 10 minutes, he had 10 grandkids on that chair around his neck, hugging him. And I remember thinking at the time, my God, if the world could see this, but Jack loved his family and he was warm about it. And so, uh, uh, again, he, he was different on the golf course because that's he played for that reason, to be competitive. But he was a very warm approachable family guy well he must have seen that in you too charlie um how do how do we get the book you know we've we've teased people about it but how do we get our own copies um two ways really amazon is uh, is carrying it and also and i learned this i had not known before the usga has a uh, website and they have a publications arm a bookstore and I learned of this from my uh, Mike Wan, my old pal at the LPGA, who's now heads the USGA. And he put me in touch with a lovely lady there named Yvette, who heads up the, the bookstore. And she said, oh, we'd love to carry your book. So they also carry the book. And I guess you just go on their website and, and their, their bookstore publications. So either, either one of those ways, uh, you can get the book. It's called Arnie and Jack, stories of my long friendship with uh, two remarkable men. This is Charlie Meacham. He is uh, 
He is the friend of these two men and uh, the author of this book. Charlie, in my fantasy, as I, as I have listened to you all this time, I've got this fantasy that one day uh, you and I will spend some time in Arnie's restaurant. I'll buy you an Arnold Palmer and you can tell me some more stories. <laughs> well, I'll, you'll have to have a kettle one because that was really his favorite drink. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> I would be honored uh, to host you anytime. That's that's really exciting to look forward to. Charlie Meacham, he is the author. He is a, he is a, a Renaissance man who's done so much in his life to be proud of um, <laughs> that uh, maybe they'll be writing a book about him someday. This is uh, People Who Play the Game. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, be well, be safe, and uh, we'll see you down the road. I'm honored and pleased to have been with you, Frank, so much. Thank you. Back with more in a minute. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa. Golf to Go Radio Hour continues here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Frank LaRosa along with Scott Marsh. We are here to welcome uh, Mr. Brant Wilson, PGA. Brant is the uh, head golf professional at uh, Seascape Golf Club in uh, Aptos, California, down by Santa Cruz. And uh, Brant, welcome to the program. Thank you. You know, I've known Brant for a number of years, and uh, it's been a year since he moved over to Seascape. And uh, before we got on air, he was he was just telling us he, he lives probably close enough to walk to the golf course. That's kind of a dream job there, Brant. Yeah, it's been it's been great. You know, I spent all those years commuting to Carmel and just being able to walk over to work. has been amazing. Seas- yeah, Seascape Golf Club. Um, you know, I, I think I played... 12 holes and I forget what it was that stopped me from finishing one day. So I've got, um, you know, another, uh, what seven holes, I guess, to, or six holes to come, uh, remember what the golf course is all about. So if I'm standing on the first tee at Seascape golf club, what, what am I in for, for the day, Brent? Um, you're in for a fun, fun day of golf, you know, Seascapes, you know, it's just over 6,000 yards. It's not, not terribly long, but it's, uh, the green complexes can make it challenging. Uh, you know, there's some short par, reachable par fives, which, you know, it's kind of fun to, or, um, to be able to reach par fives and putt for eagles. So you're going to get some opportunities to, to putt for an eagle, you know, if you're um, probably a 12 handicap or lower, which can be exciting. Um, there's also some really challenging par threes. Um, play 200 yards, um, so that can that the, the par threes are, are challenging and the par fives are fun because you can make a lot of, you know, just eagle opportunities out there. Um, but the green complexes are, are challenging. Um, you have to be able to miss the ball in the right spots. If you get above the hole in certain holes, it's really hard to putt. So kind of knowing the golf course is an advantage so you know where to hit into the greens, but it's a, uh, it's a fun day. I mean, it's uh, where you have, um, some spots here on the golf course where you can see the ocean, you know, we're not on the ocean, but, you know, we're really close to the, um, to the coast with, you know, eucalyptus and cypress trees um, going, um, you know, in, along the fairways. And then, you know, there's some homes and stuff around the golf, but it's just a neat community and a, and a neat place to play golf. I remember one hole in particular, and, and maybe there's more than one, but uh, the, the, the fairway kind of, uh, um, V is probably a bit of a misnomer, but I, I don't know. The fairway slopes to the middle. I, I yeah, kind of like that one because I kept it in the fairway. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some holes that there's like some, yeah, like it, that kind of go through, I would say, like valleys where, yeah, if you miss it um, right or left, the ball kind of bounces back down into the fairway. 
Yeah. yeah. Not all the holes are that easy like that. <laughs> None of them are easy for me. Yeah, um, sure. So uh, this course originally uh, was built as a, as a private club many, many years ago. Take us through the history. Yeah, so Seascape opened originally in 1926. So it's a very, you know, old golf course. Um, history, it closed um, for the Depression air, time frame. Um, they actually grew strawberries on the golf course during the Depression, and then they reopened it again um, after that. And uh, it's, yeah, it was originally um, designed to be a private club. You know, it was taken over gosh, probably by American golf in the late eighties, you know, early nineties. Um, and American golf had it, um, up until about three years ago where our current ownership, um, bought it. Now it's just privately owned, um, between two families. And then there's some investors as well. So it's kind of, uh, kind of the history of the golf course that before American golf, the Teamsters actually managed it. So, um, there was a time frame before American golf where the Teamsters had it. Um, but now we got, um, some, new owners that are enthusiastic and, and actually and putting some money back into the place. And it's just becoming, you know, a great place to be again. That's great. You know, it, it shares the name with a, with a resort, you know, just a, a, a short way down the coast, Seascape Resort. And um, I guess the only thing I would say is that it's, it's a really beautiful spot, you know, to, to come down and, you know, stay there and, and, um, you know, play some golf and have some great food and, you know, you'll know you, you've had a, a great trip out of town. Yeah, it's nice, especially, um, you know, in the middle of summer when, you know, it's 100 degrees up in Sacramento and you can come down with the fog and enjoy the cooler weather and, and play some golf and stay at the resort and, um, you know, have some wine and enjoy the cooler weather and get out of that heat. Most people play their golf on the other side of, of Monterey Bay, but uh, you've got some you've got some uh, good golf courses along that stretch along the highway there, and uh, and Seascape uh, you know golf club certainly is one of them. Scott, have you played down there at all? I haven't had a chance to, but I'm impressed at the rates. I mean, you know, weekday rates, you know, fifty, sixty dollars. Weekend rates, seventy five bucks for a place of that caliber. That's that's pretty impressive, Brant. Yeah, it's uh. I think we're very competitively priced and it's, a, you know, it's a great place for people to come down and, and spend a weekend. Yeah, for sure. What would you consider the signature hole or is there a hole or two that certainly stand out that people always talk about? Um, I think, you know, for, for me, number 10 is the, is the most is the signature hole. You kind of hit off the top of a hill down into a valley and it's, it's beautiful lined um, hole. It's a par five, about five, 26 from the back tees and it's uh downhill so it's reachable for some people and it's scenic um also number 13 would be the other hole that i might call our signature hole just because um it's another reachable par five with some water that on it too which is uh um those are probably for me those would be our two signature holes i'm curious how, how do you have a percentage of what you would consider people who are playing as part of a vacation versus quote unquote your your everyday golfer who might play a lot of rounds there um yeah you know so our our rounds are split between you know members and public rounds are about 50 50 so you know people that are traveling down here i would say you know from out of town in the middle of the summer we probably 20 to 25 percent of our rounds are traveling in from you know, Sacramento, San Jose, 
San Francisco, um, and from Monterey too. Some people travel from, from Monterey, but I would say about, you know, 20, 25% of our rounds in the summertime are people traveling. A lot of people getting out of the heat and trying to enjoy the, the coast, you know. We're talking with Brant Wilson, head golf professional at the Seascape Golf Club down in Aptos. Um, Brant, you've been a member of the PGA for a number of years now. You've you've been on the board. You've you've kind of see how how that all works. What what uh, what is the value of having a PGA professional at a golf course like yours? I think a PGA professional brings. Um, I mean, the one thing that I always think about it brings professionalism. I think that PGA professionals are trained um, how to you know, make the golfer experience, um, take the golfer experience to the, another, to the next level. There's a, uh, there's, they're trained in service, but they're also trained um, how to be able to run a tournament. They're, um, you know, they're, they can teach golf. Um, they're also trained to make at the golf course. I think, you know, when you walk up to a golf course, especially one that you haven't been to, you want to feel comfortable if you're in, I think PJ professionals are, are great at doing that, making people, no matter what their experience level is, feeling comfortable when they walk into a facility. Um, I think that there's no, uh, you know, just the ability to, to make, from a, make people feel comfortable when they're there. You mentioned lessons. Let's talk about lessons at your golf course, and let's talk about uh, tournaments and, um, you know, other things that you offer. Um. Yeah, so we have we have uh, some people. We have a couple people teaching here. I mean, I actually do a little bit of teaching. I've been trying, you know, about you know six to eight hours a week, which has been really fun for me because um, it's been a few years since I've I've taught a lot, and getting back into that's been just a blast. I, I love it. Um, we have uh, Isaac Weintraub who's teaching out here, and then Pete Dooley, Isaac Weintraub. Um, this member but he's now a pj apprentice here um in northern california working towards his pj membership um played on the canadian tour great player worked at augusta national golf club um in augusta and on the maintenance crew actually actually has a master's in in golf course maintenance from penn state so he's teaching here and we also have Dooley, who's another teacher um that's teaching on a range we had our ownership put a lot of money into the driving range right before i got here to renovate it so the, the, our new driving range is much nicer but um, in years past we have nice target greens we have a nice hitting area it's off of mats I mean we're we're it's expensive here so grass driving ranges are hard to find just because sure. of the cost of land but it's uh it's a neat little practice facility um, and, and we have a little practice uh, pitching and a bunker and we have a couple practice greens so we have a nice um, practice facility now in comparison to what we've had in the past. Um, we, we do run tournaments. We have a tournament last Friday for the local high school here. We have another charity event, and another one on Friday. So we're doing some tournaments this tournament season, especially when it comes to, to charity events and stuff. So, um, it's, uh, we do run a lot of tournaments and then we have a men's club here, obviously. And actually now it's called the members club. Um, so we have ladies in it. We run a monthly event for them and, I think they, they enjoy that and um, it's a neat place to, to be. We have a um, restaurant that's open seven days a week for breakfast and lunch. Um, we have some dinner service um, Thursday through Sunday. And it, the bar is a very popular place in the evenings here. A lot of the community 
um, comes in and, and hangs out and it's kind of like the community gathering place. So kind of a fun place to, to come have a drink after golf. How like big is the membership there? Um, we have about 140 memberships, which puts us 300 uh, members or so. Because, you know, our memberships are family. Most of them are family. Yeah. Um, so about 300 members, which which is kind of small. But we we uh, we also have a, a, an afternoon discount card that we've um, that we do the Champions Club. And that's a great deal as well. If you're if you play in the afternoons. So how do we make a tea time and how much in advance can we do that? So the public can make tea times one week in advance. Uh, you can do seascapegc.com, which is our website. Um, we do have, if you're traveling and you want to book some tea times in advance, we do offer that option at a little extra cost to, to book something if you want to make sure you have something locked in. Um, so, yeah, seascapegc.com is our website. And All right. Book online, or you can call us too. That's another option. And the phone number is eight three one six eight eight three two one three. We still like that face to face or or phone to phone ability to talk to somebody. That's great. Absolutely, you can always call. Brent Wilson, head golf professional at Seascape Golf Club uh, down in Aptos, and uh, we're just talking about mm-hmm. his course and reasons to go down there. So, Brent, I appreciate your time here on Golf to Go. Thanks much. I uh, have to get down and see you down there. Uh, on the northern end of the uh, of the Monterey Bay, and uh, you continue to do what you do. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I look forward to, to seeing you down here playing some golf. Look forward to that as well. Well, that wraps up, uh, Scott, another uh, golf to go radio show here on Sports 1140 KHTK. We're back next week with more information, more golf news, and more fun. Until then, keep it in the fairway. We'll see you soon.